read in there the activities of this church that they was always doing something. I mean, something was always happening. Not any time, I mean, and then in Paul's writings in establishing the Corinthian church and church of Ephesus and Galatia and Thessalonica and so on. When, when you read that, you'll always find that something is going on in these churches. Now, people are not necessarily always being saved, but something is always happening in these churches in Paul's writings. And have you ever been in a nice-looking field of corn and you could just sit there and almost hear the corn grow? <laughs> well, that's exactly the way it is in some of these writings when the Apostle Paul strikes a chord. He's speaking to people that's already been saved. No telling how long some of them have been saved. But uh, something is happening. Maybe they're not just actually, just actually pulling in sinners, but there comes a time when God wants to just talk to his. All right? And sometimes when you're reading the Apostle Paul's writings, you can just almost sit right there and listen to those people grow as Paul challenges their life. So there was always something going on in the early churches of God there was even either getting sinners saved or if he wasn't filling the building, the Apostle Paul was emptying it out. <laughs> All right, something was always happening. <laughs> uh, we don't like that part of it, but sometimes it's a necessity anyway that God's Word separate. And then if nobody was coming in or nobody was going out, they were sitting there with that Word and they were receiving. And you could just almost watch them grow. In fact, you can see the results from the book of 1 Corinthians to the book of 2 Corinthians. You can just almost see the results of a growth that one leper by one man did to individuals because he struck a keynote there and they received that. The Apostle Paul, of course, always very diplomatic in his approach, says in the 19th verse, For, the, for though I be free from all men, Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I may gain the more. And unto the Jews I become as a Jew. Now, a lot of people call that compromise. That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law. That I might gain them that are under the law. Some people call that compromise. To them that are without law as without law. And then he has to qualify this statement being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. And then he says, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker therewith with you, thereof with you, Know ye not that they which run a race run all? But one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that they that do it, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run. Not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep my body, keep under my body, and bring it under subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, 
I myself should be a castaway. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that which you have caused to be written. You moved on under the power of the Holy Ghost, and man with pen in hand wrote it, and you through your divine power has preserved it and have given it to us today. We're thankful for that. Father, it is a necessity that we look into what you have to say. For not only are you speaking through the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, but you're speaking to churches down to the ages of time, and let your word alight upon our ears right here in 1987. Father, we thank you because you saw us, and thank you because you're mindful of us, and we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, of course, after laying the groundwork for what he was going to talk about, began to reminisce. Now, the place he was at, and a lot of places he was at, there was a lot of games going on. I don't know if they called them the Olympics at that time or not, but they had a lot of contests going on. Uh, these individuals were very sports conscious. And, of course, the Apostle Paul was, well, evidently he must have been around there someplace, and he must have been where he saw it, because he draws a parallel here between that which is natural and that which is spiritual. And he says, I'm doing all of this. I'm becoming as much as everybody else to the Jew. I become of a Jew because I want to win them and to them that are without law as without law but he said still under the law of Christ but I might gain them to those that are weak then I have become weak that I might gain them in other words he said I have made myself become all things to all men and the reason I do that he says is because I want to save some I realized he was not going to save everybody that he ministered to but he said I would do it in essence, if I could just save one, it would be worth ministering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to. Or if I could just solidify an individual that was having problems in his spiritual life, to cause him to take hold of the horns of the altar and get into the divine word and power of God, that he might not stumble and fall from grace that he had attained through Jesus Christ. And then he challenges... This Corinthian church, when he says, Don't you know that they which run a race, everybody runs? In other words, you're in a race and you're running, and there's just one that receives a prize. And he says, Now every one of you, and he's talking to all of us, he said, Every one of you run that you might obtain the prize. Now, he didn't leave much leeway in here for us to win, place, or show. It was just win. <laughs> you ever notice the Apostle Paul's writings? He never leaves any place in lives for second or third place with God. Or what you're supposed to have, he simply says, Now, them that run, everybody runs. But they're running for one reason, and that's that they might obtain a prize, and that's the way I want you to run. And then he says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now, there were several games at that time and several things. The Olympian Games was supposedly 
the greatest, and some of the greatest athletes attended that, but in reading a certain book concerning the games of ancient times, I found that there was one particular game that the Apostle Paul was certainly interested in, and it was called Ithmanian Games. And in these games, individuals had to have ten months of vigorous training, of pure and holy living, of sobriety, and of endurance of all types and in obedience to orders. Now, these type of individuals had to train ten months before they could even run in that race. In other words, they had to be that well-conditioned and he says, every man strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. In other words, some way, somehow, these individuals with craving appetites, like you and I have today, had to put those appetites underneath their training and realize it was going to take something to be able to just get in the race, much less run it, and win a prize. And Paul is trying to say, if you're in this race... You simply are going to have to be pure. Hallelujah. You're going to have to be sober. You're going to have to be enduring. And you're going to have to be more than anything else in obedience to the orders of Almighty God in order for you to run this race. Now he said, now they do it. These individuals he was talking about that they might obtain a corruptible crown. But we do it to obtain an incorruptible crown. And in reading that, that corruptible crown that they received, the winner received, was a garland from their pine tree, which was beautiful. And it was placed around their neck, and all the greenery and the beauty that there was. But there was one thing wrong with this. It didn't last very long. It began to fade away because it was taken from its livelihood. And although it looked beautiful for a while, Soon that which they won, and that's all they got, after all those months of training and running that race hard, they didn't get any money, all they got was recognition, be able to stand up before individuals and say, this man won the prize, and they placed, placed a garland of the pine from the pine tree around their neck, and it looked beautiful. But then they hung it up on the wall, and soon it faded away. It lost its beauty. It was corruptible. Now, Paul says that we run to obtain an incorruptible crown. In other words, when we enter this race, we're headed for something. You know, everybody agree with that? We're going somewhere. Can you say amen? We're headed somewhere, and Paul says, now, you've got to run to win. How many want to run to win? You've got to run to win, not just to finish the race, but we want you to have a crown. And that crown, he says, is not something that's going to be placed around your neck. And you're not going to stand by hope and be beheld by the throngs and the thousands and then not remember that all of that crown you receive is corruptible and it'll fade away. He says, what you're going to do when you finish this race has to be recognized by the race of angels, hallelujah, by God Almighty Himself and by the seraphims and cherubim and stand before the whole world and declare that you have been a winner in this race for God. And then He gives you a crown of eternal life that never fades away, hallelujah. It'll be there for thousands of years. 
Well, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't mean to get this excited right off. But it's all right when you talk about what you're going to receive. And to me, it's worth it. Brother girl, it's worth. It's worth training. It's worth self-denial. It's worth putting human pleasures aside and you might have a little time with your God. It's worth being sober. Hallelujah. I don't mean somebody say, well, I never drink. But a lot of us drink the intoxicating liquors of pleasures of this world. <laughs> and God tells us how we can't have some of these things. It's bad for us. Because we can't finish this race as a winner. And he said, now he brings it back to him. Notice, from the we to the I. Because the Apostle Paul realized that even though he can include those that's running, he couldn't speak for them. And so he does what he does best. He speaks for himself. And he says, I therefore so run. In other words, I have met these qualifications. I have been purified by the power of the Holy Ghost. I am sober. And sobriety is in me to the workings of God's Word. I have endured the cross with Jesus Christ and despised the shame. And I'm standing there as a mockery before the whole world, but it doesn't matter to me because I'm headed someplace. And then he says, as far as I can ascertain, I have been obedient to the orders left me by the one that told me how to get ready for this race. You know there's orders inside here that tells us how to run this race. Paul tells us to run this race with patience. He says, lay aside every weight and every sin. That's not so easily beset us. And then run this race with patience. And he tells us to get our eyes on something. You see, the course is marked out. Back in these games, the course was marked out. They didn't just run any place they got ready. They had a certain place they had to run, and they had individuals there to see that they stayed on the course, that nobody took a shortcut. We're in a day and age of shortcuts today, aren't we? There's individuals that start the race, and they look like it's a better way this way, and so they'll cut across country. And remember, there's somebody watching you. <laughs> somebody watching you and you've got to run this race honest and you've got to finish it honest because the judge stands at the end of it <laughs> in other words how you're running it is measured as to how you finish and what they said about you all eyes on you if you stayed on the track if you recognize the course and if you run it with all of your life and all of your heart and you came and you was a winner you was awarded that and I might say this, God Himself, when we was put on this course of running this race, has placed individuals as watchmen to watch how we run the race, to see that we dare not take a shortcut, to see that we dare not lay down some of the things that we're supposed to lay down. The biggest thing was, is this was an enduring race. It was a tough race. Don't say how long it was, but in reading that, it said that this, uh, uh, what is it they run, 28 miles or something like that, was just a baby upside of this one. The marathon was just a baby upside of the Ithmanian races. And you can imagine then how well conditioned they had to be. And it, after running so many miles, it looked like it would be easy 
just to take a shortcut. They were running out of wind. They were running out of breath. And it would have been easy to take a shortcut, but they were watched. And if they did take a shortcut, it was noticed. And when they got there, the judge met them there and had everything down on when they run, how they run that race. And if they took a shortcut or got off the beaten track, he stood there and said, you don't receive a thing. You have run this race for nothing. And when I read that, there was something landed way down deep inside of my soul like a piece of iron. Because I realized that in this world today, we are having individuals that have entered the race. And they're running. And they're taking shortcuts. And they're trying to get by with things that God said you can't get by with. And then they're going to stand there. And declare to God that we have run this race. And God is going to say, you run it for nothing. You didn't listen to the laws that I laid down. He refused to be obedient to me. And just because you're here doesn't mean you're a winner. Friend, what I'm trying to say tonight is if we're going to run it, let's run it true. Let's run it right. Let's run it with all the power we have. Now the course was marked. And friend, our course is marked well. I said it's marked well. It begins at the cross and it doesn't end until we get to the grave or until Jesus comes one of the two. In other words, we're still running. And we're still running. And we're still running. We are in this thing, saints. We're in this thing to win. I don't know about you, but I started out in this race. I become weary. I become tired. I become heart sick. My feet get sore. Yes, my, I almost run out of breath sometimes as I'm running hard. And sometimes I just feel like, God, there's no use. And then He reminds me of how long I have run and what a short distance I've just got to go yet and something undergirds me. You talk about getting a second win, friend. I get a second win because I realize the prize is right out there with your clothes. I can almost touch it. And the Apostle Paul says, I don't run uncertainly. I know what I'm headed for. I know the course is hard. I know it's not easy. And he said, that's the way I run. And then he goes on to some fights and we'll not get into that. He said, I don't fight. I don't beat the air. In other words, I know what I'm fighting. And then he says, but, and I like this. Let's dwell on that a little while. But, I keep under my body and bring it under subjection. This is a hard thing to do, isn't it? You just well say amen because it is. But the Apostle Paul just simply says that uh, I buffet my body and I lead it captive. In other words, I don't let it rule me. I rule it. And then he says, I keep it under subjection. Now he says, there's a reason I do this. And he's talking to us this evening. He said, the reason I do this is lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. In other words, the Apostle Paul was saying positively that we're not there until we get there. That we're not saved until we 
finally make it to the end and shake the hands of the master and we haven't run the race and finished it until we get there and the judge looks and says well done my good and faithful servant I appreciate the race you've won and I thought as I looked at that if a man as great as the apostle Paul and as many battles as he fought and as much of the race as he won brought us some stark reality in this scripture as he said I have to keep the mastery of my body I have to keep it under control I have to make it obedient to God's laws and to God's plan because he said lest by any means after I have ministered to others after I have suffered in the dungeons after I have been whipped and beaten after I have been shipwrecked, after I have endured all of the mockery and all of the tough times that I have endured, lest I myself should be rejected or disapproved. I thought, God, the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us to watch it. Amen. He was trying to tell us to take stock of yourself. See if you're carrying any more weight than you started with. See if you've added anything. See if you've let loose anything. See if you've picked up anything. In other words, measure your life. You're almost at the end. And the crown is there. And it's incorruptible. And you're going to stand before the whole world. And God's going to say to the whole world, They're winners. They're winners. They won. They persevered. They run the race. They kept the course. They finished the course. And Paul is saying, Now I've got a job myself. And he leaves us in the ninth chapter. And he goes on down to the tenth. And he says, moreover. Now, in other words, he's saying, no, that's not all. I'm not through yet. He says, now, I'm keeping my body. I'm buffing it about. I keep it under subjection. Now, the apostle Paul said he died daily. In other words, every day that he woke up, he died to that sin in him that tried to surface. He put that under subjection immediately. The first thought that he had when he woke up that morning was to get that body under subjection, get those impurities out of his life. And start again. And he said, I take it captive. I buffet it. He didn't mistreat it. He just said, I buffet it about. I take it captive. I lead it captive. And never was any doubt who was the ruling force of the Apostle Paul's life. And he said, I do this because... I don't want to be a castaway. And then he goes on down and says, Moreover, in other words, more than this, I would not have you to be ignorant how that your fathers were under the cloud. I want you to listen to what he has to say. It's important. And all passed through the sea. I want you to notice that one little word, all passed through the sea. A little three-letter word, but it's saying a lot to us. In other words, everybody that came out of Egypt, whenever the seas was rolled back, 
every single one of them passed through the sea on dry ground. And then he said, We're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Notice that all. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. In other words, what God gave them, everybody eats. He rained manna from heaven, caused it to come down and told them that there it was, together and eat, and everybody eat. When they wanted meat, He gave them quail, and everybody eat. And says, and did all. I want you to notice that again. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drink of that spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. I think what I'm seeing here is the Apostle Paul was saying every one of them that came out of Egypt was baptized with the cloud and in the sea. All eat the same spiritual meat of God. All drink of that spiritual drink from that rock and that rock was Christ. Everybody had a taste of Christ. Everybody had a taste of the Master even before He veiled Himself in human flesh. Everybody tasted Him and He was thirst slacking water that came out of the rock in the midst of a thirsty land and He's still the same thing tonight. If we thirst, there's no reason for that. We can still drink of that rock. The only difference is now that water is within us. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's in here, a well of water springing up into everlasting eternal life. And not only should it supply us drink, it ought to supply the drink of others that are around us, that they can feel a refreshing flow from Calvary. Now he says, all. Oh. I want you to notice that. He's teaching us a lesson here. He says, not only do I warn you that I have to keep my body under subjection, or I'm going to become a castaway, disapproved or rejected, after all of these things that I went through, but I want to show you something else. I want to show you some children that God heard their cry out of bondage and sent a deliverer, which was Moses. And Moses gathered them all up and they was trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And God uh, caused the wind to blow all that night and uh, then three miles, three miles at least, He cleared that Red Sea and dragged the ground from it. And they crossed 3,000 men, women, boys, and girls abreast and crossed that Red Sea and came out on the other side safe. And then Pharaoh's army started after them. Paul's telling us this. And the, and the uh, Red Sea closed in around that army. And they were drowned. And all experienced the safety of God on the other side. And then he says... When we got into that wilderness, there wasn't anything to eat. And God supplied it. And everybody eat. And then there came a time when they had to have something to drink. And God looked at Moses and said, Moses, you smite the rock and you open it up. And you give them something to drink. And Moses did that. And the Bible says, waters gushed out. Hallelujah. They gushed out. They didn't trickle out. They gushed out. And there they were, drinking from that spiritual rock, which was Christ. And then Paul, after all of that that he says they did, stops short. And he says, but, 
with many of them. Now notice all drink, all left, all eat, all were baptized, all had that spiritual water, all had that spiritual food, all of them received a salvation from God that fateful day. But he says, with many of them, God was not well pleased. Now it makes you wonder what's happening here. What is he saying? He's simply saying this, that you can start out. And God is so merciful that if you cry, He'll hear your cry and He will deliver you. And if you get thirsty, He'll give you water to drink. If you get hungry, He'll give you something to eat. If you want to be baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, He'll let you have that. But we can continue on and never be changed in our attitudes. And never be cleansed from this carnal flesh of ours. And intermingle with those that God has fed in truth. And come to the place where we don't please God.